Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 177 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi, and with me, as always, is Tony Pauline, and we have another great guest for all of you this week with North Dakota State offensive lineman Dylan Radens joining the show. We'll get to talk to him about what it was like playing for an FCS powerhouse, and also with NFL quarterbacks like Easton Stick and Trey Lance, and obviously we'll get his thoughts on NDSU's 2020 campaign getting wiped out by COVID-19 with the exception of one game, of course. And, and Dylan is a guy that's getting a lot of buzz. I mean, he's gotten a lot of buzz literally since the season began. And as you'll find out, NDSU only played a single game this year, then went on to the senior bowl and had three terrific days of practice. So I'm really looking forward to this interview tonight. And we'll get right into that interview in just a moment after this word from our sponsor. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. You can also bet on the NFL draft, where Jamar Chase is a strong favorite to be the first receiver selected ahead of Devontae Smith, whereas at running back, same thing in Alabama guy finishing second, Travis Etienne has a slight lead on Najee Harris. Well, if I'm a betting man, and I know that you are, Chris, I'm going to betonline.ag, and I am taking the Najee Harris over Travis ATN selection or, or pick there. I just did it, Tony. In addition to sports, BetOnline covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, and has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, my go-to, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now, without further ado, Tony and I would like to welcome Dylan Radens to the show. Dylan, welcome to the Draft Analyst, and thank you for joining us tonight. Hey, yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Dylan, thanks for joining us. This is Tony. I know we're going to speak a little bit about uh, your, your athletic career before North Dakota State, your, uh, your stellar career there. I mean, you're the definition of winning and, and what your hopes are moving forward. We'll have a lot of fun tonight. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right. So kind of as Tony alluded to here at Becker High School in Minnesota, you guys won the state championship in football both years that you started at left tackle. But you were also an all-conference basketball player and you did pretty well in the shot put at States as well. Obviously, football for you was where you had the brightest future, but was it also your favorite sport? Uh, yeah, I'd have to say growing up, football football and basketball were always tight. I just love playing basketball. Granted, I might not have been the best basketball player, but they're both fun to play. And it also helps that you can play basketball by yourself and you can't really do that with football. But uh, it, was, it was a tie. It was a toss-up between the two. And like you said, football had the greatest future. And uh, my dad instilled it in me and my brother when we were younger. And, uh, yeah, it was, that was something I was very passionate about and uh, I loved to play. And so I took the opportunity and I ran with it. Were you a center in basketball? Or did you play a different position? I was a center. Were you a shot blocker or more of an offensive scoring threat? 
Uh, I was more of a, I was actually a mixture of both. I wouldn't say I was dominant on either side. I was more of just average 10 and 10 guy. Uh, just 10 boards, 10 points, uh, a few assists here and there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd like to think I could shoot, but uh, my coach probably would beg to differ. <laughs> when did you start uh, being able to dunk a basketball? I'm assuming you can dunk a basketball. Yes. Uh, gosh, I was. Uh, it was warm-ups for before one of my games. I think it was my uh, freshman or sophomore year, one of the two. Um, I was in warm-ups, and I just went up, and it happened. And I was like, oh, wow, that just happened. Uh, I can do this forever now. <laughs> Pretty cool when you get up there and jam it down now. I'm a former track and field guy myself. I actually trained for the Olympic, the Olympic decathlon for 11 years. So I got to okay. ask you, what were your marks like? What was your top mark like in shot put? Uh, so uh, I'm always going to say there's more left in the tank. I think every athlete would. But <laughs> my farthest uh, confirmed mark in a meet was 57, 10 and a half. But that same meet, I was warming up for the state meet. And I threw it over the 60 foot line. And that was just my one uh, lucky one, I guess I'd say, that I didn't get the throw in the meet actually it was just for warm-up so uh but that is the school record and i'm proud to uh hold that um for becker 57 10 and a half now when you threw shot did you spin or did you glide i glided uh i spun in discus but i always glided in shot put and and something that people don't realize about throwing shot and discus is a lot like blocking you do it with your legs more so than yes. with, with your arms and your upper body. Your arms and your upper body are important, but you really do it with your legs. A hundred percent. It's all about the coil that you can get with your legs when you're spinning and then the glide, just getting that leverage and being able to snap those hips because it all starts there and then it snaps your body around and moves through your arms. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a leg and hip thing is uh, where you're going to be most successful. Got to get that left foot down as, as quickly as possible. Assuming you're a right-hand thrower. I'm a left-hand thrower, oh, actually, that so right it's the opposite. There you go. Yes, yes, yep. So it's kind of like the power's in the legs, but the control and maybe the direction is in the upper body. Yeah, you just got to get that release good. But other than that, all the power pretty much comes from the, uh, the legs up and the hips. Now, you grew up in Minnesota. Were you a Vikings fan? Yes, uh, dad was a huge Vikings fan. Brother was a huge Vikings fan. I was always a huge Vikings fan. Uh, I think I jumped on the Patriots bandwagon when they went 16 and 0. So they became my team throughout high school, but I'll always be a Vikings fan just because we were 45 minutes North of the cities and just watching them growing up. Did you have a favorite college team growing up? I didn't watch a lot of college football growing up. Um, so I didn't really have one to be honest. Uh, never really watched it. I always just watched professional football. Uh, I suppose if I had to pick one, uh, I don't know why I always got USC sweatshirts. doesn't even make sense to me because I'm not even in California. But I remember as a kid, I'd always get a USC sweatshirt, but I never really watched much of uh, college football. Probably was the cheerleaders. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so obviously you mentioned becoming a Patriots fan when they went 16-0. and 0, And for you, obviously winning is a big thing because the two years you yes. started in high school – Becker went 25 and one when you graduated NDSU had just won its fifth straight FCS championship, which had never been done before in NCAA history. Was that success? The major reason that you would say you chose the bison over offers from D one, a schools like Missouri and Wyoming. Uh, yeah, I'd say it's one of the reasons for sure. Just a winning culture there. Uh, and that just goes with the rest of the culture. This is the family atmosphere, stuff like that. And then on top of that, I knew uh, I wanted to be good at what I wanted to do. And they just sent uh, Billy Turner and Joe Hag to the league and their offensive linemen. So I figured uh, I'll have a good shot to hone in on my skills and a good shot at uh, 
going to the next level if that was the path I chose. So, and then on top of all that, it was close to home. It was two and a half hours away. My mom would be able to come watch me play. And so at the end of the day, it was kind of a no brainer for me. How tempted were you or were you tempted to go to, to play for a school like Missouri? I mean, a team that's known for their high powered offense that likes to throw the ball around. Um, so yeah, at the time it was very tempting. I was like, uh, wow, that's a big offer for me. Uh, but they, they came in pretty late. Uh, they got a coaching change or a staff change that year. And, uh, they, they called me before the day before signing day. So it was almost like, uh, I'm not going to back out on my commitment. I'm pretty much a man of my word. And maybe if they would have called me that summer or something, then I would have considered taking a visit, but, uh, a day before the deal is supposed to be done, I'm not going to go back on my word. And, uh, uh, uncommit and looking back now I I'm glad I stuck with NDSU there's really no other school that I'd want to go to besides maybe like Alabama or something but just the tradition and the culture at NDSU is something that I cherish and I'm very prideful good to hear good to hear now three national titles in three years at North Dakota State just one loss in three years just two losses in five years going back to your high school days I I, I mean you're the epitome of a guy who well, you know, is part of a winning culture. Uh, is it going to be tough to maybe if you get selected by a team, the New York Jets or somebody that is more <laughs> used to losing than winning? Uh, you play on Sundays. Is that going to take a little bit of adjustment for you? Yeah, yeah. So funny thing about that. I mean, it's a team sport. Um, so Autumn, I, Autumn are, uh, we're all going to take credit for all the wins and all the losses. But uh, ultimately, uh, yeah, you go back to those stats and they're crazy to me. I haven't played in any of the games that we lost in. So I haven't played in a game that I lost in like five, six years. The last time I played in a game that I lost was my first game of my junior year of high school. So uh, it's just a crazy stat. And then, uh, yeah, on top of that, so it's like playing in a game that I lose uh, coming up, it's definitely going to be a shock to me. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting feeling. Uh, I'd say it's going to motivate me more. Uh, failure has been something that always motivates me to get better and better. So uh, uh, no matter what, I'm always going to try and learn from that experience. But uh, heck, maybe I'll be a lucky charm to some team, even if they are used to losing. And uh, next thing you know, we'll win. A, we'll, we'll keep this streak going and I won't have to lose for a few more months or maybe a year or something. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers need a left tackle and. For the longest time, people thought that they may go undefeated last season. So maybe you get lucky yeah. with them. There you go. I'd love the block for Big Ben. If he comes back and all that stuff, it'd be amazing. Now, one of the major kind of adjustments for a lot of college athletes when they go to the NFL is the fact that, yeah, you're going to lose more games. Obviously, that'll be an adjustment for you. The other major adjustment is the amount of games that are played. But for you, that may not be as much of an issue because – played 15 games in 2017-18, 16 games the next year, which is pretty much an NFL season, obviously not based on the schedule that's going to be rolled out next season. But mm. would you say that that schedule took a toll on your body? Uh, yeah. I mean, when you play that long and you, you get you get really fortunate to not be banged up super bad if you're ended up being healthy at the end of the season. And uh, I think that just goes into your off-season training and your diet and there's a lot of factors that you can help yourself out to not be uh, sidelined when it comes to those late games. And I think at NDSU, we were, uh, we uh, rep that on our players a lot. And uh, so we were able to become successful. We had almost everybody healthy, I think, for the championship game after 16 games that's, uh, last uh, two years ago. Um, and yeah, it's just something we pride ourselves on. I think uh, going into the league, there are going to be stronger opponents that I'm going to have to be aware of. And it's a, uh, 
going to be probably a little bit more uh, more bumps and bruises from every game just because it is that high, high caliber of a, or that high of a level of play. Um, but ultimately, it's going to come down to just uh, my preparation and what I do for the week for recovery and just investing in my body and so that I can last that long because uh, I think I've uh, found a routine that I can do that uh, at the college level, and I just have to figure out one for the next uh, the professional level. Now, is there anything in particular um, that you guys did from a strength and conditioning standpoint to keep everybody healthy? Any kind of tricks to the trade? Uh, I mean, there's there's so many tricks you could list. There's so many things that will get you 1% better. And if you just culminate all those things together, then you're going to be 10% better. So, uh, I mean, we push each other so hard in the offseason. Like our, on, uh, our offseason conditioning is I, – I, I, we pride ourselves it's probably one of the hardest. We just go all the time. We – all the guys up there, we get jobs. So we lift in the morning, work all day and then run at night. And we do that all summer long, stuff like that. And I know a lot of colleges do that, but uh, I think the way we do it is special. I think it's proven to be special with the success we've had. Uh, and then on top of that, it's just uh, nutrition and keeping your weight up. Uh, we're kind of like a big old fat camp up at NDC sometimes with Kramer yelling at us when we get on the scales. If you're missing weight, you're going to push plates or you're going to be heading to the dining center. I've seen him multiple times uh if guy's not making weight he uh, just says you're not lifting today you need to go over to the dining center and eat and so uh just stuff like that the little things paying attention to the details making sure your body's right has uh been huge uh for our success so so now all these games played and and everything else this kind of conditioning program we're talking about do you feel like all of this has prepared you better for your pro future and kind of given you a leg up to some other prospects for sure i totally i totally think that and uh just the culture there and just the intensity there. And then uh, it also helps that we run a pro style offense. So just the, the combination of all those things that I feel like definitely has given me an edge over some guys, but uh, I know a lot of guys uh, get a good experience in college that prepare them for the next level. It's just, uh, I think my circumstances are just maybe not as intense as the next level, or maybe there's not as much at stake as the next level, but I think it's a pretty uh, good similarity between the two. A two-part question here. You know, we got you, we got Trey Lance. Two years ago, three years ago, it was Easton Stick. A couple other players. There's a kid who transferred uh, to LSU, a middle linebacker. That's going to be a day-two pick by the name of Jabril Cox. How is North Dakota State able to recruit the type of talent that they do? I mean, I think that most 1A programs would be envious of a lot of the players that uh, that that your program that that program is able to bring in uh yeah it's uh, back to the culture uh the culture there is something special uh yeah we don't get to play for bowl games we don't get to be on maybe the spotlight all the time just because we uh, do have that fcs title but uh when there's gritty players who uh um maybe are flying under the radar and they see this as an opportunity that uh they'll get their spotlight here if they're talented players and if they're hard workers and uh, the other thing that draws them, like I said, is the culture. I mean, we're, we're going to push each other here. We're going to try and shoot for greatness. We're not just going to say, oh, we're FCS. We're just going to play football just to play football. No, we're going to do it with a purpose. And everything we do there is uh, we're going to be aimed towards success. So uh, I think that's something that's repped on guys at recruiting visits. And I think it's a very compelling thing. And uh, I think it's proven to uh, draw a lot of talented kids out of high school for sure. So you kind of answered my next question about the culture. You said, you know, aim for success, push yourselves. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, what else is part of the culture at North Dakota State University for the football program anyway? 
Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I see all the signs now. And even when I was uh, after Carson Wentz and after Easton left too, it's, uh, there's a lot of people who's like, oh, this is going to be a rebuild year for the Bison. And uh, every single offseason, it's like, no, we're uh, we're reps. We're, we're not going to rebuild. We're going to reload. This is what we're doing. You're the next man up kind of thing. Uh, our second strings are, are preached and uh, pushed to be just as good as the first strings. So uh, we always say it, next man up, uh, you're, you're up, so you better produce. Uh, otherwise, we're going to find somebody that can. That's not to belittle you. That's just to push you to be your best. Um, so that's the culture we have there. And then servant leadership. We're going to take care of each other kind of thing that's rep there. Um, so that's kind of part of the culture and just taking a pride in your school. We call it bison pride. And we always have old guys come back and speak. And nobody can put or pinpoint it to one thing or – another it's just uh it's what you uh see it as after you've been through five years if you've made it through five years and uh it's just uh something we are very prideful of up there and uh it it seemed to proven to have success and it works and uh, i have no doubt it'll uh, continue to have success up there reload not rebuild it sounds like uh alabama wins a lot of national championships (laughs) as well yes yes exactly uh we try we're definitely the I wouldn't say little brother. I'm not going to put us at that level, but uh, it's going to, I'd say we're definitely trying to model after them or they model after us in ways. Uh, we, we definitely try to have the level of success they have. Obviously we don't have uh, quite as much talent as they do and maybe not, we're not FBS, so we don't have as much success, but uh, the, as winning goes, uh, I'd say we have just as much uh, of success on winning games as they do. Now you mentioned pretty much the last three quarterbacks for North Dakota State, all NFL players. You've mm. watched for two of them in Easton Stick and Trey Lance. What would you say was the major difference uh, between kind of how you had to prepare to play in front of each guy? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be biased because uh, I was a young pup. I was uh, had no idea what I was doing playing my first snap uh, football when I was with Easton. So uh, he basically was like uh, a guy who was so smart and wise in my eyes because he was a veteran he was calling out plays and the offense just ran through his fingertips. He knew everything. He's such a smart guy. And then, uh, and then when Trey came in, I was the, I was the vet. So at the time, uh, the first few games, heck, probably only the first one and a half games, uh, it was kind of like, Hey, let's protect the, let's protect our little brother. Let's make sure he can do what he needs to do and stuff like that. And then I think it eventually turned into where he's not our little brother anymore. He's just our brother. And we just got to let him do his thing because he's crazy talented and, uh, I, we let him do his thing and he led us to a national championship. So, uh, yeah, a little bias there. Cause I was, uh, I was a vet with Trey and I was a young pup with Easton, but, uh, both were very talented guys. Now stick was more of a pocket passer while Trey Lance is more of a, you know, RPO type quarterback. What is it huh? like, you know, blocking for an RPO type quarterback like Trey Lance? I mean, is it a situation where, you always know where he's going to be. You have to guess where he's going to be. You have to kind of project where he's going to be in case he leaves the pocket and gets outside on a play that's not designed to do as much. Uh, no. So basically we, we, we're going to make the offensive system at NDSU the same. Uh, yeah. We're going to have some hiccups here and there, but uh, when it transferred from Easton to Trey, we didn't, we didn't change the offensive scheme too much. I mean, obviously Trey could run the ball more. So maybe we ran it with him a little designated run plays with him, but uh, we had the same RPOs in, we had the same other things in, uh, uh, but just having a quarterback that can scramble. I mean, if he scrambles out of the pocket and there's got defense guys chasing him, he gets sacked outside the pocket and the pocket was clean. Then obviously he's going to be the first one to say that was my mistake. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, just being able to block for a guy who can move, uh, who knows how to move and knows when to move uh, is huge. So because uh, next thing you know, you do let a guy up inside, then he's able to run away. I mean, I, I let up zero sacks this past year, but that's not to say that Trey made have saved me on a one or two just because I let up a guy inside. So having a guy who moves is always going to be nice. It's just a matter of if he's smart when he moves or where he moves. So I think Trey did a good job at that, and I don't think it uh, really changed too much from Easton. Now you've kind of given us, you know, a lot of stuff on Trey so far, but if you were scouting him, if you were looking at Trey as, you know, a prospect and what he could do in the NFL, what his upside is, kind of give us a scouting report from what you've seen in your time with him. Um, yeah, he's a great leader. I think that shows. And then the guy can build confidence fast. Uh, he came in as a freshman, uh, was confident enough, uh, was precise enough, was smart enough to not throw a single interception that freshman year. Um, so just seeing that out of a guy, uh, just being able to uh, adapt and uh, adapt to an offense, a high-powered offense at that, and uh, lead a team to a national championship his uh, freshman year, uh, just being able to do that is going to be huge. Granted, he might be uh, – yeah, he's a young guy. I mean, he's not even 21 yet. Maybe he just turned 21, but uh, uh, he's still uh, – he can adapt and adjust quickly, and I think he can lead really well, uh, and that's proven. And. Uh, so I would have no doubt that he'll be able to adapt and adjust to the next level uh, pretty smoothly. You played against Ellerson Smith of Northern Iowa in 2018-2019. Terrific pass rusher. Mm -hmm. Smith yep. is, is a potential day two pick. He was at the senior bowl with you. Do, do you remember your matchups against Smith in those two games? And can you describe them to us? Yeah, so uh, I mean, the dude's a beast. Uh, definitely when I was in college, he was a lot skinnier at the senior bowl. He came, uh, I don't even know how many pounds he gained, but he was a lot stronger at the senior bowl and he was a lot quicker at the senior bowl. The guy is uh, a crazy talent either way. But uh, uh, yeah, during those games, I mean, he was a, he was a tall, uh, long defensive end and uh, he, he was kind of, I wouldn't say skinny at the time, but a thinner defensive end at that. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was a challenge to block him just because of his long arms and his uh, quick twitch. Um, and fortunately enough, I didn't let up a sack at all. I think I gave up a pressure maybe in one of those games. But, uh, yeah, playing against him was always fun. It's always fun to play against good players. And, uh, yeah, his future is bright for sure. Now, besides Smith, were there any other top guys that you played against the past two seasons that really stood out to you? Yeah, so I think I remember we went down to Western and like Colleen Saunders. He won a yeah. Super Bowl with the Chiefs. He was a uh, he was pretty crazy. We'd run power against him, and I was like, "Oh, I'm moving him!" And then he just does some freaky stuff. He's crazy athletic for how big he was. I think he did a backflip before the combine or something like that, and he's like 330 pounds. So that guy was crazy athletic. And then uh, Rondell Carter from JMU, he was really good. Uh, he's been in the league, so a uh, very talented guy. Uh, those are just two off the top of my head that I can remember right away. But uh, I mean, there's a lot of talent at the uh, FCS level too. So. Uh, uh, but those two guys were for sure the best. Now, 2019, you guys r run through the schedule. You win the national title. Move into 2020. I'm sure that expectations are high. All of a sudden, COVID hits basically the world, not just the United States, but hits the world. What was spring, mm -hmm. what was spring practice like? Uh, yeah, so we're pretty much uh, off in the boonies up in North Dakota. So obviously, everybody went home for quarantine and uh, we all went home, school got put online. Uh, we were all doing workouts at home, but once summer hit, uh, spring was basically a wash, I think for every school it's quarantine, all that stuff. Uh, but once summer hit, it was back to normal. I mean, yeah, you had the mask, you had the COVID testing, but, uh, 
pretty much everything was uh, open to us. Uh, we were able to go in. We followed all the COVID protocols, and uh, we didn't skip a beat. Uh, we went back to our routine of lifting in the morning, working all day, and running in the afternoon. I don't think anything changed from that. Uh, just very fortunate. We were uh, not in a high-populated area, not in a high uh, COVID case area, so uh, it worked out well for us. When did things start to change uh, that this summer of 2020? So uh, I think it was probably maybe a week or two in the fall camp. We were ready to go. And then uh, we, were ready, we were prepared to play the season. Obviously, rumors were spreading and stuff that some schools wouldn't be able to play and whatnot. And then uh, one, uh, one day after practice, we found out on Twitter because somebody got information from a school that I will not name but and said that uh, they, they're going to cancel the conference season. And so I, all of our players found out on Twitter. And then I went, we went up to the head coach and we're like, Hey, what's going on here? And he's like, I haven't heard anything. And so that was a whole shebang. And then we, I think we practiced maybe one or two more. Uh, no, it was probably a full week after that, but because uh, we were trying to find people to fill games I and mean, we were contacting everybody, all the FBS schools and stuff like that, trying to find a game and couldn't find one. Um, so we called it on, uh, I don't even remember what day it was. We called it probably a week after that. And uh, then uh, about a week after that, we got a call and there's another game. But uh, yeah, it was probably two weeks in the fall camp where uh, we finally figured out that we weren't going to have a full season. Now, what would you say was your initial reaction to playing just that one game you mentioned last fall? Uh, I mean, it was a roller coaster of emotions. Obviously, we were told we we're done, and then they called us and said, "Hey, we're not done." And so uh, it was more of just uh, let's go together. And as a senior group, uh, we came in. There's 26 of us. There's 13 of us left, and uh, the 13 guys were like, well, "Let's just finish this game out." And some guys wanted to part ways and go on with life. And obviously, I declared and trade declared and all that stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, it was just kind of coming together just to win one last game in the Fargo Dome uh, without any fans, which was unfortunate, but uh, that's the way it was. Um, but yeah, it was just rollercoaster emotions, very uh, hard to focus on one thing or what's going on. But uh, ultimately, we did it for each other. We did it to come together and just uh, go out on the right foot. Now, you mentioned that, you know, NDSU was calling around trying to pick up games. Do you know if there was any outreach to 118? To fit them in a schedule, teams that you know, uh, in the, not so much the Big Ten, but the New Mexico or somebody like that, uh, New Mexico who started their season late. Um, yeah, so I mean, we were trying to reach out to anybody, and it's it's hard uh, at that time because a lot of schools didn't even know what they were doing. So I think I know we reached out to Notre Dame, we reached out to Kansas State, we reached out to Oklahoma, just any connection we could. We tried to uh, see if we get in on any uh, any of the MAC. Uh, games stuff like that but I mean with COVID going on I can't can't blame any team for not wanting to schedule it in because they didn't even know what they were doing with their school so uh yeah we were just fortunate enough to get that one game um just because at the FCS level and I mean the Big Ten heck they didn't even start their season until when was that like mid-November or something so I mean they we did they already said they canceled so it's just it's just hard to hard to find a game under those circumstances now, what thought, if any, did you give to playing in the spring season? Um, so my big thought, honestly, I told the players, uh, I told the young guys, and I'll openly say this because uh, it's what I believe is, I told the young guys, I was like, if I were you guys, I wouldn't play in the spring um, just because it's, 
it's a no-win situation for you uh, because you're going to play in the spring and then you got to turn around and play in the fall. And anybody who's going to play, heck, you're going to play one game in the fall, another eight games in the spring, and then you could potentially play another 15 in the fall and you're playing, shoot, uh, what, is that 23 games in less than a year and like nine months? And it's like it's, it's hard on the body. And, yeah, that's what they do at the next level, but they <laughs> – uh, we don't have what they have at the next level. And, uh, yeah, it's just if you get injured in the spring, then you miss out a whole fall, and then you literally miss out a year and a half of football because you're hurt. And so it just uh, didn't seem smart to me. And uh, so I knew I wasn't going to play in the spring no matter what. If I was going to return, it would be a fall season. Uh, and, obviously, I felt like uh, with the, my family around me and all the coaches around me, they felt it was the right decision to declare. Um, so that's what I did. I felt like I was ready. I have the confidence and all that stuff. So, uh, it was really a no-brainer for me to declare after that one game. And I agree with you about not playing in the spring season. I mean, if you uh, if you suffer a somewhat serious injury in the spring season, you may end up missing not only 2021 season, but the 2022 season if you have a significant knee injury. So uh, I, I've said that all along. But let me ask you this. Moving towards your senior season, did you think about the senior ball at all? Um, yeah, so I was fortunate enough. Uh, Jim Nagy really likes my game, and I'm super happy that he does, super blessed that he does. So he was, uh, he mentioned me in a few tweets uh, before the, the, the senior season. And so I kind of figured I was going to get an invite. I didn't know when or how or that whole shebang. But uh, I, I just from the vibes I was getting from the director of the senior bowl, I had a feeling that I would probably get an invite. So, uh, uh, I took that into consideration and uh, kind of banked on that. And luckily for me, uh, I did get an invite. So, uh, yeah, I knew that uh, that game was uh, going to be a huge showcase for me. And uh, so I went down there and uh, I was fortunate enough to have that. When did you find out that you were invited to the Senior Bowl? Right after that first game, uh, I was walking in the locker room and we were talking and I saw Coach Entz, he had an envelope in his hand, and he pulled out this orange piece of paper, and I was like, oh, I know what that is, and he said it. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty surprised after the game, for sure. And when you were in Mobile, who would you say were the toughest opponents you faced during one-on-ones? I'd say uh, in one-on-ones, uh, Weaver was good, uh, the guy from Pitt. Uh, I think Ellerson was great in one-on-ones. He, like I said, he's a very dynamic guy, got those long arms, gained like 25 pounds, super powerful, quick twitch, stuff like that. He was good. Uh, guy from Washington, from Washington. I didn't, I didn't block him uh, at all in one-on-ones. I played guard the next day, and he sat out of practice. But uh, he was good. I watched him in one-on-ones. But um, everyone there was super talented. There was a reason why they're there. Uh, just came down to, I mean, one-on-one drill is kind of a goofy drill to do because uh, it doesn't really correlate to an in-game situation. But uh, uh, it, everybody there, I think, uh, had their day or had their reps where they showed out what they could do and. Uh, fortunate enough to be able to be pretty successful and most of mine we had two of your uh, senior bowl teammates uh, on this on our podcast quinn miners and, and brendan james and they both mentioned uh, osa digizua by name as one of the tougher assignments all week did you go up against uh, digizua at all and what was your uh, assessment of him um i think because he's interior um so and he i believe he got defense alignment of the week or of the mvp trophy for defense alignment too so uh but yeah he was really good uh uh, i think that he helped us win the game too for sure he uh played very well um but uh yeah i didn't i don't think i got a guard rep at against him uh maybe one guard rep but uh most of the time i played left tackle and i wasn't blocking him so 
And what would you say the most important thing you left Senior Bowl having learned was? Uh, just uh, instilling that con- – like, I was confident in myself, but just making sure. And, I mean, you never know those, uh, something's a for sure thing until you do it. So, uh, once I did it, I was able to compete with those guys, and I knew I belonged up there. It's just a sure thing. And uh, the thing I learned is uh, I can play better with my hands, and once I do that, I'm going to be even better. Um, so – uh, just learning that and learning uh, that I can play with those guys and that I uh, play well with those guys uh, was huge for me. Where are you training right now? So I'm out in California. I will be going back for my pro day in nine days. So I'll be flying back home uh, on Saturday. And where's that pro day being held officially? NDSU. In nine days. So it is uh, March 12th is your pro day. Yes. Any particular marks you're looking to hit on pro day, 40 times, shuttle times, bench press marks, anything like that? Uh, just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would love, I have ran a pretty fast L cone. I'd love to run under a seven L cone. That'd be amazing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if that happens. Um, yeah, I got 703 the other day. So trying to just mm-hmm. trim off a few milliseconds. Um, I, I, I'm super confident in my, uh, five ten five. getting under a five second 40 would be huge too. Uh, getting like, 25 reps on bench would be huge. Uh, so just uh, hitting some marks there, just trying to be better than average in almost all categories. And then I think the outcome drill is uh, where I'll shine a lot. And uh, hopefully I'll up my draft stock. Obviously you played left tackle at NDSU. You also mm-hmm. did get some guard work in mobile, as you mentioned, do you have a preference between tackle and guard? Um, I was going to be a tackle at heart. Uh, I think I love, I just love playing out there in open space. I think uh, I, my athleticism can show up there of the, I've been blessed and fortunate. I think I've got good hips, uh, some good feet movement. Um, so I think I'll uh, be comfortable out there and confident out there right away. Uh, but that's not to say that I can't move around. Um, who knows where I'll find myself in the league. But uh, I think I'm definitely going to want and uh, desire to be tried at a tackle first. Uh, and then we'll go from there and see what happens. Speaking of, you, you, may not, you don't know where you may end up in the league. Can you play center? Can you snap? Or have you ever snapped? Uh, yeah, I snapped a little bit. I'm definitely not great at it yet. I think it's something I could uh, sharpen. It's one of the tools I can sharpen for sure. Um, that's uh, so I feel like I could do it eventually. I couldn't say I wouldn't say I'm ready to do it right now, but uh, who knows through a through few months of training or through a camp uh, of playing center. I mean, why wouldn't I be able to? I uh, uh, feel like I've got uh, good enough feet and hips to get around guys and stuff like that and uh, do the blocks that a center needs to do. Um, and just ultimately it comes down to snapping the ball and learning how to do the two at the same time. So uh, I feel like we could definitely do that. Well, Dylan, that's all we've got for you tonight. Thank you so much for joining the show and, and best of luck through the rest of the draft prospects and obviously in April. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dylan. I mean, uh, it's been great watching your college and I got to tell you, this is one of the more impressive interviews we've done. Uh, and I think Thank that you. Any, any NFL scout that listens to it is going to be equally as impressed as Chris and I were. Awesome. Love to hear it. Thank you again. Absolutely. Now, before we sign off, we want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop up the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag 
that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 and above, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. All right. And Tony, before we close it out here, really good interview with Dylan Radens. Um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, it was a very impressive interview. I mean, yeah, he is a well-spoken guy, knows what he's talking about, kind of knows exactly where he's at. It seems has a good kind of sense of self as well. Um, just, you know, someone who going through the draft process, especially if there were a combine this year and kind of a lot of the normal things, you know, he got a bit of it at the senior bowl, but just a guy that would definitely be someone who rises throughout the process based on what we just heard from him articulate, intelligent, knows what it takes to win. Yeah, I mean, what was it? He's lost uh, three games in five years. Uh, kept talking about the culture at North Dakota State. So a, a team that selects Dylan Radens is not just getting a good offensive lineman who could be used in a variety of roles. They're getting a guy who has won and knows what it takes to win. I was very impressed with the way he articulated his answers and really the detail that he went into, like I said, and I wasn't, you know, BSing anybody, any NFL scout that listens to that interview, it's got to be, has to come away very impressed. Oh yeah. I mean, not, not only the fact that, yeah, he didn't lose in high school. He didn't lose in college. I mean, he'll probably lose more in the first month or two of his NFL career. I shouldn't say probably almost definitely will lose more on the first month or two of his NFL career uh, than he has in the past half decade. But he sounds like a guy who's kind of prepared for that, who's ready to handle that and who understands that. So it's not like something that's going to discourage him. Um, you know, if he starts losing and everything else, you know, it'll be an adjustment at first. I mean, when you're that used to winning, but at the same time, he does seem like, as you said, good head on his shoulders and a guy that can kind of handle anything that's thrown at him, which I think he also proved a little bit on the field in the senior bowl with some of that guard experience. And the thing is this, you could tell from his experience at North Dakota state, he basically, he grew into a leader, you know, talked about how he, he was the young guy blocking for Easton stick. Then he became the veteran and he took a, a, a leadership role. I got to tell you, I was very impressed with what he said about telling his teammates, better off not playing in the spring season. And he went through the, the reasons why I didn't even think about that. You know, you play for North Dakota state, you could end up playing 23 games in the season. I was more concerned about the injury status, but that, that's very impressive that a guy would stand up and say, Hey, listen, you know, it may not be in your best interest to play in the spring. Just wait until the fall. And that's it for the 177th episode of the draft analyst presented by the believe sports podcast network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback you may have as well. Special thanks go out to Dylan Radens for joining the show today. And we'll be back next week with more on the 2021 NFL Draft. Until then, for Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi. Good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.